Hello there, and welcome to the Comic Book Tesseract, the weekly comics netcast that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm Justin Chalupka, alongside Jason Polieff. Every week we review and preview the world of comics, along with other facets of geek sheet culture. Justin, how's it going this week? It is going phenomenally. We have a whole bunch of number ones from this week. We have actually four that we shared. Um, I think there was, a, I mean, there was another number one that came out this week that our shop actually didn't get, and we're going to get that next week. It was a number one and number two for oh. Revival. Revival, okay. Yeah, which, which is one that I wanted to get. I'll probably end up sharing it with you. It it's set in Wisconsin, so I almost have to okay. pick it up just by. I'll make virtue. sure you pick up a block of cheese to eat while reading it. Absolutely, and and some brats. Because <laughs> oh. number two was supposed to come out this week, Which... and they did a reorder of number one and number two, and they're getting them both next week. Okay, so so that and have... uh, uh, so it'll be um, a little bit late for a lot of markets, but if you've never heard of it or you you know want something new to check out, it'll be mm-hmm. good for you. All right, um, but for the ones that we did get this week, yeah. uh, we were commenting uh, before we started that. For once, <laughs> our Marvel. unbelievably, yeah, Marvel outnumbers DC on our list. Yeah, it does happen. Hallelujah, holy crap! <laughs> Normally we're DC guys, so uh, to actually see that we have more Marvel books to review this week is interesting. It's a rarity, and actually we, you know, just as many independent books. Yeah, if you yeah. want to consider Valiant an independent, which based on their <laughs> we've had that argument so before, right? Small at, at this point, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, total of what four titles on the market <laughs> with the, the new number one this week. Um, well. All Considering right. Mar- Marvel is the majority on our li- list this week, let's go ahead and start with that. And we'll start with talking about Gambit number one. Um, the Master per- Thief has returned. Yeah, most people know the character of Gambit. Uh, if you don't, I would be surprised. Uh, he is an X-Men. Yep. He made an appearance in the Wolverine Origins movie. Oh, dear God. Uh, yeah. Why? <laughs> Hopefully you haven't seen that. If you have, uh, I'm sorry. If you haven't, uh, don't worry about it. You didn't miss anything. Um He's uh, a master thief, like you mentioned. He was raised in out, out in the bayou, so he's yeah, got his his good Nolans accent. Uh, dated Rogue had a kind of a big thing going on with Rogue yeah. for a long, long period of time, which is actually alluded to in the beginning of this book. Yeah. Um, what, how would you describe the overall theme of of this title? He's kind of got a romantic flair for his past in this. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like he he's looking at his life where he is now, which is teaching at the Jean Grey School for Mutants. Which is the school that Wolverine set up after the X Men Schism event? Right. In the title, uh, Wolverine and the X Men is actually following the school, really. Yes. So he's one of the teachers at the school. Yeah. How does X Men Legacy fill fit in on that? Do you know? I haven't read X Men Legacy. Okay. So I tell you. I'm curious because I I think that kind of it, is it, around that same area, but uh, I'll ask the guys at the shop. I'll let them fill me in. Yeah. So. And then I'll fill you guys in afterwards. <laughs> after I find um, out. But he, he, while he's working there, he, he starts to remember back to the time of being the rogue that he was. The more before, footloose and carefree. Yeah, and... He, he wasn't known as a superhero. Yeah, he actually talks about his costume in here. Mm-hmm. as the, Just the clothes that he wore, he wasn't a costumed crime fighter. He wasn't a vigilante. He was. But now he does think guy. of it as his costume. Yeah, now, yeah, it's, it's gone from just being clothes to being a costume mm-hmm. because that's represented as who he is when he goes out right. and fights. So it, it, it certainly has that kind of romantic flair, which, you know, Gambit's always kind of been portrayed as that mm-hmm. romantic character, you know, the guy with that, you know, smirk that's going to get the, the girls. The, the smiling that's rogue. That's how he wound up yeah. with Rogue. Mm-hmm. And. So it, it does kind of have that, a little bit of romance, which which fits for the character. Well, but it's like you mentioned, it, the character is having this romance for his past, a sort of like a, a yearning for the wanderlust that he had before. 
Right. But the overall tone of the book, I would say, almost kind of fits more towards a uh, a thief drama, a la. It, it tries uh, to hit that. I don't. For me, it didn't. It didn't get there. And no. I think part of it is the ex- was the execution. Yeah, he's trying to show that he is a master thief, and you know the whole plan of it is this is how he's going to get involved and get into this location to steal something mm-hmm. and show you this overall grand plan that he was able to pull off without actually planning anything. Right. And, you know, for me, that's fine if you're just a pickpocket and you're going to go on the subway, pick somebody's pocket and skid out. Well, that's the thing is that he's never really, he, even in his older days, he wasn't necessarily, and we had said this, Master Thief, but I don't think Master Thief is really the best way to describe him. He's more of a pickpocket. He's just the op- He's an opportunistic thief. Yeah. Like if he sees the opportunity and it's there, he'll he has no qualms about just you know walking pil- off with something because he left the door open. Yeah. Absolutely. He'll but, go around and he'll shake the knobs and he'll hit the easy mark. But he doesn't like see something he really wants and then plan out this big mastermind scheme of how to get it. It's more of the quick nab kind of thing. There were moments of here that seemed like he was trying to do that quick mastermind theme of... The character uh, or the artist, uh, or the writer, you mean? Well, the, the the plot that Gambit's trying to put in motion of okay. going, look over here while I go, you know, look to the, the, the right while I go stuff. left. Right. There, there's elements of that going in there, but it's poorly executed, and for somebody that's trying to be a thief, he's getting noticed a heck of a lot in this book. He's drawing a lot of attention, not just to himself, but to things, he's trying to make it, uh, well, to, to, to distract you by saying, look to the right. But in a situation like presented in this book, it's going to do it's not gonna but be actually enough. draw the attention to him. Yeah. You know, if, in a scenario where they presented this book where there's a big gala party mm-hmm. and the guy has a lot, has a treasure trove that he's trying to protect, if something happens at that party, they're gonna look to the there, thief. There's gonna be, well, there's, well, A, since he's known as a thief, they're gonna look to him. B, there's going to be two security responses. There's going to be the public security response, which is everybody that you see in the party mm-hmm. helping escort the guests to safety. And there's going to be the private, which is they're going to be on the vault of all the hidden troves, right. like white on rice. That was to completely lift out of there. It was like, oh, wait, there's a vault in here, but we're going to completely ignore that as a security standpoint for the ruckus that's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, it, I mean, it's definitely unrealistic in an overall oh. caper kind of sense. But if you think about it, the the word gambit yeah. in itself really does mean a sort of high-risk attempt. Yeah, it's a gamble, which is exactly what he's doing. It, this this whole scenario could have fallen to absolute crap at multiple points along the line. But he, you know, through his charisma, through a little bit of luck, through a lot of bit of luck, through, you know, stuff here and there he somehow manages to pull it off and that's what a gambit really is. And he even says closer to the end of the book that it's that thrill of the off the cuff, you know, the, the I almost got caught uh adrenaline rush that is really what he's been yearning for. Yeah. So, it makes sense in in that sense. Uh I guess wow, I, I was sense, you know, whatever. I was looking for something more along the lines like such as the TV show Leverage where they have a plan, they start executing it, something goes wrong, they then try they improv it the rest of the way out. They, they and improv it to an, to get to the next part where they can then restage, get back to the and, plan, and, and maybe not go back to the plan, but maybe set set up another plan and work forward from that point. Yeah, and then they, all of a sudden they pull it off, and then they go back and show you how they 
were conniving and how they were able to actually pull it off. Okay. Whereas here, there was never any moment of, and he does say he's not going to think this through. He's just going to act. Right. But yeah, again, the other thing with leverage is they're always trying to not be noticed, not be seen, not be caught. Right. Yeah. So and in this, he's this, not really that concerned this, about that aspect. Yeah, he's making, he's plotting explosives. You know, <laughs> yeah. Which immediately says something is wrong and heightens security. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that they let people leave that party at all after what happened is, yeah, unrealistic. Okay, so, so l- let's say that I, the I overall could... of this is it's a fast and loose thief story. Yeah. I think that's kind of the best way to describe it. What would be something else out there that you think would match that type of story? <laughs> I, know well, you said, I know you said you wanted it to be like Leverage, but what's yeah. something that it actually is like? I, I don't know what it would actually be like. Um, I haven't read Thief of Thieves, which is another comic that's out there mm-hmm. that's about a thief operating. That's a Kirkman book. Yeah. Um, and it's actually been doing really well. It's been optioned by AMC mm-hmm. for a TV show. So, Gee, go figure. Well, you know, they, they, <laughs> they, the they love them some Kirkman, you know. Um, he makes that money. So it, it may be relatable to that. It's, you know, I don't know. Well, I, the, and that's I, the thing is a lot of thief titles don't have that fast and loose kind of thing because if you're fast and loose as a thief, you get caught. So this, I think, is unique in that aspect. It might be something that if people really do like those thief drama type stories, yeah. this might be something that's a little bit of a change, you know, a bit of an alteration that they can kind of jump into and go, okay, that's there's certainly a different way to do it. It, it could be enjoyable for somebody like that. And actually, despite my complaints about this book, if I knew the next book was going to involve him pulling off another heist, I'd actually be interested in, see, in, in reading okay. that because I like the character that they're doing with Gambit. Mm-hmm. I, I like how he's being portrayed. And there's definitely some stuff that they're building in this little, I think it's a miniseries. Yeah, I believe so. So, yeah, they've introduced a couple of characters that you know are going to be showing back up that maybe knew more about him than they were leading on when they met him. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some stuff as far as an overarching story outside of this theft that I'm looking, that I'd be looking forward to in, in yeah. reading this mini. So uh, I don't know if this will necessarily remain that thief drama. I hope it does. Uh, it may, uh, the fact that it's self-titled would definitely make me think that it's going to move more towards a character piece. Which, Which, from what we said as Marvel books, is usually not the type of book that they do, so... They, they, they have been, you know, occasionally you'll see stuff like that, we'll mm-hmm. be talking about another one. But they're always as kind of side series, you know, as minis kind of delving into the character, and then they come back to the main yeah. Capes and Cowles storyline. And again, you know, like what we said at the beginning, this was about him being the thief and, and who he is as a person, trying yeah. to find that again. Mm-hmm. So it is about the character, no matter what else is going on, at least that's how it's being presented. We'll see if they can keep that up. Yeah. So, all okay. Right. Um, next up, I'm actually going to order these by uh, how well the publishers are known. Because <laughs> I think that's... We're, we're, right. we're going to get more obscure as we go on, and then we'll hit back to the majors again for the ones that aren't number ones. Okay. Uh, so the next one up is... I'm actually going to go with Archer and Armstrong, oh. which is from Valiant. Okay, which Valiant is actually a fairly known publisher for people that have been reading for a long time because... Oh, you got the alt cover. I didn't notice yeah. that. Nice. Yeah. and uh, Or did I get the alt cover? I think you got the alt cover, but uh, this actually went back huh. to print uh, oh, before it even hit shelves. They they sold out at the distributor level and went back to print. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valiant, of course, is relaunching their entire line, and they're they're using established characters and titles to do that. In which case, yeah, Archer and Armstrong has been a title. Yep. This was interesting because I haven't been familiar with them. I knew the basic premise, which is 
a drunken god who's so old, who's been drunk for so long, he almost forgot he's a god. <laughs> and a kid who is a trained combatant and martial artist. I think it's an interesting tact on how they presented these. Now, I know you said you talked to the guys at the shop. Yeah, and they were not overly impressed with the story. They felt that it it didn't tickle any itch that they had, and they weren't going to get the next one. I like the story. I, as did I. I. I think they might be a little bit off on this one. I don't know if they were expecting something else and they didn't get it, or if they just didn't like the way that they present the characters out. I could definitely see how Archer and the way they predate his character could definitely turn some people off. Absolutely. This book touches on some issues uh, towards religion, towards mm-hmm. po- politics, and setting up and creating the history of these characters, mm-hmm. and actually putting... Archer as an outsider because he was raised in a very strict, very religious base. Well, it's a cult. Yeah, it, it is a cult. Yeah, and actually, raised in a cult. Calling it a cult. Um, you know, he's, he actually is growing up in an amusement park where Jesus <laughs> is riding dinosaurs because the earth is only 6,000 years old, and uh, that's one of the man. ways that they explain it. I love that, by the way. <laughs> Just reading through the whole park thing and what and, they were doing and having going on there, I, I found that funny as hell. But there, there are people that could... Be offended, turned off by that. Yeah. Reading yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, Art and Armstrong, who is the god now going by, he actually says, you know, currently I'm going by the name Armstrong. So yeah. he's gone. And by he's, I think his other name is mentioned somewhere near the end of the book. Yeah, they, they've mentioned his, his other name, which I'm just going to call him Armstrong because yeah, that's how he's, what he's going as. And it's easier to pronounce. Definitely. But he was back around before the world was destroyed. Babylonian. Yeah. It's, it's like Babylonian era esque. Yeah. So it's almost as if, yeah, the world gets wiped out in a Noah's Ark type event where everything yeah. is destroyed. But destroyed they're actually blood. blaming it on a doomsday device mm-hmm. from the gods. And he, Which they're saying is from the gods. It could actually be from something else. It could be right. alien but, tech or yeah, they, something they, they, else along those lines. They could change that. But we, we've got this doomsday device that's, that Armstrong has disassembled, spread out across the world, mm-hmm. that's now being found and reassembled by the cults. Right. And what we find out is that the cults have been throughout society. Uh, the they, they actually point to the Masons as a branch of the cults, right? The Illuminati, yeah. So yeah, all, it, all the major you know conspiracy theory groups, right? All, all the things that have been told to be manipulating the, controllers, the world from behind, yeah, right? Uh, are just other are just different branches of this cult, yeah. And we find out that they don't always necessarily get along in the end either. No. Just well, which is funny because this also points back to if you look at the religious aspects of it. Uh, taking any major religion and the different denominations that will occur within any major religion. Yeah. It's the same type of thing here where you have this different schisms occurring within their organization that just can't get along, even though they are all purportedly right. acting towards the same goal. Yeah, that's you know, how Christianity became Catholicism, mm-hmm. Protestant, Lutheran. Orthodoxy. Yeah, yeah the whole thing. Um, I would say, uh, just to go back to the idea of the overall theme of this book, um, you don't get it too much in this one, but I think where it's going is the buddy action flick. A sort of a diehard... Well, part uh, of that was... Or not, sorry, not, not diehard. Uh, 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 lethal Weapon. Yeah, and I, I can certainly see that being an aspect of the book. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, the, you know, or, you know, Rush well, Hour type of a... Well, yeah, even more so Rush because... Hour, I think, is because with Ar- Archer, who's been raised inside this silo, he's going out in, his, in a fish out of water... Mm-hmm. Which, just like Russia, which Jackie Chan is not used would, to American and that lifestyle. And I think we're going to see some of that 
reflected in the art in the Archer character yeah. of him getting used to being in the outside world. Or at least I hope they continue to yeah, show that yeah, yeah. more than they just did in this book. I would say in a similar vein and same actor, less Rush Hour, more uh, Shanghai Noon or Shanghai Nights. Yeah, I, again, it's the same. The that fish, fish out, out of water. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with Armstrong, as you said, being yeah. a a god. And Archer very much being like a, a trained as a soldier for capital G God, that, that revelation I think is going to end up being kind of shaking on, on his, uh, yeah, Ar- worldview. Ar- yeah, Archer, well, we can already start to see Archer's worldview erode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. And that, that, that can be a very fun, uh, character path to follow. It'll be interesting to see well, where this that, is going to go. I think that'll end up being his main hook is yeah. he's going to s- see this world, you know, blatantly exposed to him, ripping away all of his preconceived notions, and now he's going to have to go and rebuild his own ideology from the ground up. And that's, I think, going to be his his character path. And, and I think Armstrong, who he identifies as being an enemy at the beginning, is going to turn kind out of be to be... More mentorish. A mentor, somebody that he can lean on, mm-hmm. and that will explain this to him. Yeah. Because Armstrong is the character that's been around, been there, done that, and is just looking to have a good time. Yeah. And yeah, you you had mentioned uh, before that you felt part of this reflected the Dan the Unharmable book, which we've talked about in the past. That's definitely what Armstrong reminded me of. Yeah, I could see a little bit of the character in that, in that he is a guy he's rather invulnerable, mm-hmm. at, at least. And we don't know the extent From of his powers see. too much in this book because there's just a bar brawl. <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely distinctly different, and he he's older, he's wizened. He he seems he, like he's tried to forget things, but now he's realizing. He can't just forget the past and he's going to have yeah. to present his knowledge forward to prevent things, bad things from happening. Yeah, Armstrong Whereas, definitely seems to be a lot less uncaring than Dan the Unharmable, who's just a flat, we've said he's like the dude. He, he, he just wants Super to be the left, dude. actually, he just wants to be left alone. Yeah, kind of Hulk-like in that aspect, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. And, you know, just less punchy. Yeah. Um, idolized. Yep, next up is Idolized. This is one, I, when I originally heard the concept for this, I wasn't going to pick it up. Yeah, and actually I avoided it as well because of the concept. That basically, it's American Idol for superheroes. Yeah. Which, or The Voice, or yeah, pick, whatever. Pick your favorite American, you know, you can dance. Reality competition. Yeah. Show. So, it, this is a world where superheroes are out in the wide open. It's not anything secret. Everybody knows they exist. Um, but it also makes it a very dangerous world because superheroes are constantly fighting supervillains. And that uh, can happen it, at any point. Yeah. It's actually described, uh, by the narrator at the, in the beginning that it's like living in a world where you could step on a landmine any day. It's, you never know when the house next to you is going to explode or you're going to be walking to go to the market and the gas truck will fall on you. You know, it's a very dangerous world. And so the people who have powers kind of have this extra level of responsibility thrust on them. But at the same time, especially with these very younger, you know, teenaging kids, they're, uh, not necessarily expected to be yeah. the safeguards, but it's well, they almost have this inherent understanding that that's what they need to be, even though they're not equipped well, or prepared to do it. Actually, I think part of that comes from the viewpoint of the main character in here, who's, yeah, yeah, who's narrating the book, mm-hmm. who believes that she failed her parents by not being able to protect them from being killed. With her powers. Yeah. She she you tried to use her powers, but wasn't sensible, but she was also, what, 12 at the time? Oh, younger than that. Yeah, Probably, yeah. like... Not even preteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she, she was still very young when, when she you know, found out that she had powers and, 
and was unable to save her parents. But she blames well, herself. She for knew not she had them, and she actually never told her parents about them. She had hid it from them right. because they were all She's, normal, and they didn't yeah, want her parents were normal. She wanted to be normal too. Yeah. Uh, but so the whole idea of if you have powers, you're responsible mm-hmm. to protect people. It also is a, is a story as old as comic books with Spider-Man. And, Power responsibility. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, of course, villains have the same powers, but they're using it for evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part of this is she's actually after revenge. Yeah. She and lies to get on the show. Because she's saying that she wants redemption. She lets out this big story about how her parents were killed and how she wasn't good enough and she wants to, you know, redeem herself. But like you said, it's actually about she saw the guy who caused her parents to die and she wants him. There's, there's going to be some interesting stuff going on in here. At the end of the book, they give, you know, they basically, this is a origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, a it's a little setup bit of, of a the description world. of her powers. And yeah, it sets up the world. But at the end of the book, they give a rundown of the characters that you're going to see as contestants on this show. But Along the, the, with, uh, like levels of how, uh, how, how likely they are to actually win the show. Yeah, the Vegas odds of who's going to win. Yeah. The, the other part is there's a note there from a guy called Ace. Mm-hmm. And if reading the note, apparently he's a member of the Protector League or whatever the, they're calling. What are they called? Yeah, the, their their version of the Justice League, their version of the Avengers, the, the big group of superheroes that that defends everybody. Mm-hmm. And basically saying, we, we realize that the prize for the I realize the prize for the show is that they get to become a member of the group, but they're untrained. They don't know how to use their powers, and they're going to be a liability, as much, if not more of a liability, by being on the team than they will just be trying to be average citizens that have some powers. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to nice see how that thing. will play through in the story because I think while they'll show parts of the competition, I think this is going to focus on stuff happening to the characters outside. Well, that. and because this is that reality show type thing, they can do that because reality shows have that, you know, what well, happened backstage between the events well, type thing, the backstabbing and the, the cattiness and all that so, shit. Not so much with a show like Dancing with the Stars or... Yeah, not the, as much, but... But there, there are some shows such as Hell's Kitchen where what's going big on... Big Brother being a, a really another big one that's like that. Which isn't quite... Survivor. But Survivor, where, there, where what's going on outside of the actual competition events... Is actually more important than the competition itself. Yeah. So that's what I think what's going to go on here. It's definitely interesting well, and, and worth another what one. What we should say is, talking about themes of the book... I don't think people should approach this as if you like American Idol or Survivor or things like that, then you would like this book. You're probably not. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, I would actually say if you liked uh, Ennis's The Boys. Yeah, it, it, because that has... Because of superheroes. Yeah. Then this is certainly one to pick up. It, it's a very deconstructionist book. Um, yeah, I don't well, think there's anything more to it, say. It is a deconstructionist, but it's not quite the as deep a level, I think, as The Boys is, or well, as irredeemable is. It's certainly not as dark, you know, because it, there's not this, like, you know, all superheroes are crap, you know, at, at its base. It's more of, these people are real people. Right. You know, yeah, they're, they're going to have some problems, but it's not going to be, like in The Boys, you know, you have a guy who likes jamming a hamster up his pooper. You have, <laughs> you know, guys that are going to be, you know, maybe a little insecure, or have problems talking to girls, or, you know, yeah. regular human problems. I, but with powers too. It, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out between the combination of the shows and them being heroes. Yeah. And to see where they actually lead this to go through. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one on the number ones for this week is <laughs> Anti from... 12 Gauge. 12 Gauge, which is also, it looks like an imprint of Valhalla Entertainment. Yeah. 
Yeah, neither, okay. yeah, neither of which which I had ever heard of, but the comic was only a buck, so I figured, eh, what the hell, I'll give it a shot. Um, Meanwhile, I, I had actually read this from the Free Comic Book Day right. and said, I want to pick up more of Anti. I did remember seeing this on Free Comic Book Day, and I was sort of like, eh, it seems okay. Yeah. Then I saw it was a dollar, and I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay, for the dollar, you'll, you'll grab it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. it's worth grabbing. Um, let me ask this. Will you pick it up next month? Yes. Okay. And Okay, so the setup of this is something not too unfamiliar. If you've mm-hmm. seen the show Supernatural... Uh, if you've seen... Or the movie, uh, The... Fallen, was it? No, not The Fallen. Um, Prophecy. Prophecy. There's definitely an element of angels versus demons going on in mm-hmm. here. Uh, of And the question is, how are they going to tell that story and make it play out? Yeah. What we've the, dis- religious what supernatural, re- I think is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. What they've distinctly revealed is that there are demons that are possessing people. And actually, they, they distinguish that by showing like a red glow... On, on the demons when yeah. they've been attacked. Attacked, and, or like they're kind of in shadow. You can see like a crackling underneath the skin yeah. of... Like a, like a lava glowing red. Yeah, like coals or embers. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that kind of distinguishes the demons. Uh, at one point they even say you have the stench of health of uh, brimstone on you mm-hmm. um, to one of the characters. Now, the interesting thing is um, there's a hunter character who's going after and killing these demons. We don't know if she's human, angel... Uh, you know, a sect of people that are yeah, go out maybe something that's like half breed or something. Um, so we still haven't had enough information on her, but she finds this one that she believes to be a demon. But when we when that person glows, they they still have the hellfire glow, the crackling coals, but they mm-hmm. also have a blue glow within them. So yeah. the question is, what is that blue glow? We haven't been told that. Uh, the other thing we saw too is that uh, for whatever reason, he also seemed to be, as far as we could tell, immortal. Um, he was noosed up, hanging, essentially dead, and is found, cut down, and is still alive. So well, it, it, it does have an almost. It could be like a rebirth. Thing. Well, it could be a timing thing. It could be a rebirth thing, yep. which would explain you know kind of the blue glow other side. With the fact that it's named Anti, I know I was of the opinion that he might be an Antichrist type figure, that, or he could possible. be a. Uh, I think you had mentioned maybe a mix of devil and angel. Yep. We yep. don't know yet. Has it gone that far into the book? Yeah. And really, our two descriptions aren't necessarily that far apart or yeah. you know, or mutually exclusive. Right. Um, right. But what is revealed is he does have some powers. At the end of this book, yes. he reveals that he does have powers. Mm-hmm. So we're not sure, although the demons definitely recognize him as being a demon, they're just not sure. They're actually they, asking him, you know, what, 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 what are group you? of demons do you work with? You know, or, what, or what, what kind what, of demon are you? Yeah. yeah are, you, are, you, are you from a different battalion of demons than, than we're with? You know, wh- where are you from? So. And he's totally clueless. He has nothing, yeah. he knows nothing about it. What he does know is that death follows him. And, yes. And he's actually been on the run trying to stay low. He refuses to establish any relationship, ongoing relationships with people. You know, he'll get a job, work with people, mm-hmm. and then move on. He doesn't want to have people around him because that's when he considers his curse to come back and people around him die. Yeah. Um, it's certainly an, a very interesting book. I mean, it's, if, if people like the, uh, how do they put it? The, the religious supernatural, this falls right into their wheelhouse. Um, it's not too uncommon from other things that are out there. I wouldn't say it's terribly original. It has a few original elements, so it's yeah. worth picking up for that kind of change. Uh, it's worth mentioning, uh, even mentioned straight on the cover, that it's from Gail Ann Hurd, who is the producer of Terminator, the producer on Aliens, and of AMC's The Walking Dead. So this is somebody who actually works 
I would imagine fairly closely with Kirkman, and uh, I, I think probably maybe had some. Well, no. I, I'm not going to speculate on that. That that would be. Uh, yeah, again, disingenuous I, to I'm that. going to pick up the next issue. You know, of these, of the of the number ones that we've just talked about, mm-hmm. um, Gambit's probably the least likely for me to pick up issue number two. Um, I'm kind of, although there's a part of me hoping that you're going to get that. I think I will. Um, I know, uh, well, my wife hasn't read it yet. I told her I would let her read it because she likes the Gambit character and always has from yeah. back in the TV show, uh, in the early nineties right. or, or mid, yeah, early, early mid nineties. And I'm also kind of hoping you'll, you'll get idolized. I'm definitely picking up Auntie. I'm definitely picking up Archer and Armstrong. So. Uh, Archer and Armstrong, I will. Idolized, I will. Anti, I think I might. Yeah, it, uh, but G- Gambit, I definitely will. Well, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my wife read it first. If she says that she liked where that was going, I'll pick it up. If she was sort of meh on it, I probably won't. Actually. Okay. So because I enjoyed it, it was fun, but with all the comics out there, you get it yeah, I, I gotta get which one's not. Yeah, I gotta cut something somewhere. <laughs> you know, you can always f- add more comics. It's, oh it's yeah, not that hard. All right, uh, uh, which that on that point specifically, I'm gonna come back to that uh, after we're done running through these. Okay. Uh, next up from Marvel and we're going to try to run through these kind of quick, is Spider-Man. This is number four of five, so this series is almost ending. Right. This book, uh, you and I both said it was excellent plot, lots of, or a good number of laugh-out-loud moments. The only thing that this book was... A lot of personal development. A whole lot of personal development. The only thing that this was missing was action, and that's not a bad thing. I didn't... It it wasn't missing it. It just wasn't there. Yeah. And which is what I loved about it, is because there was so much going on. You got to see these characters. It was emotional, not just with laughter... But of points of going, yeah, of, of poignancy, you want, yeah, you're caring about these characters, yeah. Well, the characters caring about each other too, especially yeah. with the amount of pain that they are obviously causing each other just by seeing. I'm gonna stop being vague. Um, <laughs> Peter Parker has shown up at Aunt May's house where well, Gwen Stacy is living. Well, real quick, because you're just naming characters that could be perfectly legitimate in the Marvel universe, but. What's okay, going on okay. in here is Marvel is two universes, the Ultimates universe and the traditional Marvel universe. Which the traditional, it's like Earth something or other. 616, I think. Yeah, yeah, The traditional yeah. Marvel Spider-Man has traveled through the dimension to the Ultimates universe. In mm-hmm. the Ultimates dimension, Peter Parker is younger and dead. Yep. So the Peter Parker Spider-Man is dead. Miles Morales has taken over that role. Right. So what you're saying is the Peter Parker from the Marvel Prime universe has shown up in, at the at the Aunt May and Gwen Stacy's house in the Ultimates universe, right. who who they, believe him to be dead. Well, they to be dead. yeah buried him. I mean, so to see Peter, you know, a, a, an older Peter than what they know, show up is obviously very heart wrenching to them. Yeah. Aunt May actually collapses. You know, she passes well, out from seeing him. Yeah, they don't even believe it's him, and they think it's a cruel joke to begin yeah. with. Until Miles shows up, who they know who Miles is, and they right. And it looks like in the main title they're about to say they've, they've are about just to sanction met Miles. Him. Yeah. yeah, and they're eventually going to sanction him. So this is kind of falling a little bit ahead of the the mm-hmm. main title for Ultimate Spider-Man, but not so far ahead that it's not unrealistic or really spoiling anything back to the main yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man book. Um, but after that initial shock, they begin to start kind of comparing notes between the two worlds. You know, okay, does this is this on your world? Yeah. Does this is this on your world? Yeah. Um, you know what happened here? What happened there? I think Gwen actually asked about herself, and he's like, "Yeah, you're you're dead." No, Sorry he, about that. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. He just says, that "Oh yeah, no, he just story." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He leaves. And, it alone. and then she asks about Mary Jane. He goes, "Oh, she's a supermodel." What? What? She's the a super- glasses and red hair. Mary Jane is a supermodel. Why can't I be a supermodel? Well, 
So um, yeah, there, there are definitely moments with knowing the traditional Marvel universe and right. knowing this and knowing the Ultimate Universe make it a funny experience. Yeah. But it's also just relatable of people getting to know each other and getting caught up of Oh, remember so and so from high school? Oh yeah, well they were gonna do this. No, 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 they uh, didn't do that. No, they did this instead. Oh, where remember I was from. this couple? They were the cutest thing. Yeah, they they got divorced. Yeah, well, and then this story, it's kind of the same thing where it's, oh, you know, this guy did this. Oh no, he did that over here. And oh, God. and but what's funny is, and this is something that's, uh, I think, very interesting for these two worlds, is that even though characters do very different things in these two different universes, yeah. when they talk about a particular character. They may say, oh, well, they did this because this and this happened. The people from the other universe can go, yeah, I would totally see that. I Because the characterizations remain the same right. between the worlds. It's, Regardless the of the characters. Changed, but the characters are the same. Right. So it's, as he, it's almost like he explains the circumstances and then the characters just fall into the circumstances like they would. Right. I, I can see how they would do that. Which, yeah, it, which is, is very interesting to see that dichotomy, but similarity in those uh, descriptions. Anyways, uh, there was actually, a, I mentioned this, there was a panel from the Spider-Man book that actually made it on Reddit, on the uh, comic book subreddit, of Peter and Miles sitting in a limo, a flying limo, nonetheless, <laughs> hover limo, talking to Nick Fury. And uh, Nick asks Peter if there's a Nick Fury in his world. And Peter says, yeah. And he goes, oh, well, how is he? Well, he's white. To which Fury responds, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it was, it was a, a wonderful bout of levity. Yeah, great, great laugh out loud panel. Yeah. And so for a book that doesn't have the traditional action that you expect from a comic book, it was a great book. This has been a great crossover series. I was really wondering what they were going to do with it. Yeah, because th- this it had a very big... It out of me and made it real good. It had a big opportunity to totally suck. And... and- there's one line in there that I'm kind of wondering about if we'll see some response to that later on. What's that? Miles actually asks if he's in park in the traditional Marvel oh, yeah. universe. And there's no answer to that. Well, no, I think Peter says, but well, probably. Probably, yeah. And just leaves it at that. Yeah, that's a so very it, good it'll point. It'll be interesting to see where that goes and see, see if that actually leads to uh, something. In Miles the- showing up in the Prime universe? Yeah. I would love to see it happen. I think that'd be I, really I've cool. I've got a thought of what that could be, but... Spider-Boy! <laughs> You're not too far off. Yeah. Okay. So, but we'll we'll leave that aside um, <laughs> as speculation. Yep. And move ahead to uh, another Marvel book. Um. No. We'll we'll go ahead and do the uh, yeah. the last DC, and we're gonna do this really really quick. Uh, Batman number twelve. This is. Oh, I thought I put that on there. No, we we skipped oh, right I over did. that. I skipped right, we'll get to Batman it. in a moment because we're gonna discuss yet another Marvel book, The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Which. You said the guy's shop, Pete, at Heroes Haven, had said he really liked this book and yeah, told you to read it. It wasn't necessarily his pick of the week, but it was pretty stinking close. Uh, he loved it because this is a fight, uh, Hulk versus Wolverine and the Thing. Which, I gotta admit, I like a fight between Hulk, Wolverine, and Thing. It's a good setup. But There's actually a great line in here. The guy goes, I thought they were going to send the Avengers. Where's Cap and Iron Man? Because when you're dealing with Doom, you, you, you get, get Hulk, fan, or you no, get you Cap get Mr. Fantastic and, and uh, Iron Man. When you're dealing with the Hulk, you, you get, get us. You get Thing and Wolverine. Yeah. So, uh, the Incredible Hulk title has sucked. Let, let's be perfectly frank about that. I mean, I dropped well, it. You were, I think, going to drop it. I, I've been on the border. It's gotten better over the past couple of issues. And part of it is just, and I don't want to say it sucks. It's just we don't like 
Jason Aaron's writing style, or at mm. least the style that he's using for this book. Because yeah. as we talked about with the uh, Avengers versus X-Men that we did last week, mm-hmm. we liked the story that he wrote for that. There was one minor little tweet that we didn't like. So he, he is capable of writing stories that we really like. And I will say that the end of this one did actually kind of dig a hook into me a little bit. It, it made me want to see, okay, what are they doing with this? Yeah, well, but it's the first time since Aaron took over writing that I gave a shit, even a little bit of a shit about this book. It's the first time in this arc I know. Because he has this tongue-in-cheek, you know, more of a Silver Age style. It's slapstick. Fun. It, it does slap it's slapsticky. Slapstick. And yeah, that's not what we prefer in our comic no. books. This book, there was very little of that because mainly it was a drag-down knockout fight between Wolverine, Thing, and Hulk. Which I like that in an issue. I don't yeah. want that as oh, I shouldn't say I don't want that as a title because I'm reading verses. But but <laughs> this but is I know verses better than most of the verses fights that I've read. Well, yeah. But the other part of that too is that I know verses is a mini. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna read it. It's gonna end. It's not a continuous title of nothing but that. Right. To me, nothing but a bunch of drag out fights will support a story for me. It's good things to have in a story. Especially but for like those big story. crowning moments. Like if you, if you're building up a story and build up and build up and then you hit that big massive fight that's just a badass fight, it feels so much better when those big, you know, epic well, moments just hit. Well, that's the thing is you have to hit. build to the fight because if all you're yeah. doing is fighting all the way through, there's nothing spectacular about that final fight. Which is kind of what this title is doing. I mean, in the last few books, it's been fight underwater, fight in space. Fight in a fight with the drug dealer that looks yeah. like a that has a dog's head. Yeah, it's yeah. and on top of that, you know, bears in space, a drug dealer with a dog's head. It's fucking silly. I mean, it's silly, stupid fights. It's comic books, of course, you have a dog, drug dealer with a dog for a face. But then make that character relevant. Now, I mean, don't just make them silly for the sake of silly. And that's what's really been happening. Is is yeah, these characters have been created. They've been made with no relevance, and they are, for the most part, silly. I will say the only thing to their benefit, though, is that they're self-referential to how fucking ridiculous they are. Because, uh, like, yeah, the eyeball guy, even the henchmen are like, why are we following this dipshit around? That was the the henchman, not the the eyeball didn't know better. But even so, well, (laughs) but even so, the fact that it makes that reference back of, yeah, this is silly, I know it's silly, it's that fourth wall nod, kind of like, yeah, we get it, but we're gonna do it anyways. Which, as this has gone on, has been in it. Cause that was even in the, uh, the point one issue that led up to this arc. Yeah, that began this arc. Yeah, since then, for the other fights that have been in it, there hasn't been that, okay, haha, yeah, we know this is silly, just kinda go with us on this, we'll, we'll make it up to you. It hasn't been there. It's almost been taking itself seriously in these ridiculous moments, and I think that, uh, Discrepancy it, it, is what really kind of rubbed against me like more than anything else. It feels like watching a B movie that thinks it's trying to that it's a Hollywood blockbuster. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's just the feel I get for. Again, this book has been this issue has been so much better than the previous issues of this book. Absolutely, it has. Uh, and but, they're about to end this arc with, yeah. I think, the next issue, which they they had a nice cliffhanger heading in there. Mm-hmm. But it's all kind of like here was all the MacGuffins, and that's and here's why we we got why them. Mid- but there, again, there's no reason behind it. There's no logic. There, there, there's nothing really tying it together other than the Hulk was there. Yeah. So so it, and they're saying I, that they're relevant. Yeah. For as for yeah. as much better as that issue was from the rest of the title, I don't think it's a redeeming amount. No. So, but then again, this title's about to end, and we're going to be getting a new creative mm-hmm. team starting with an issue number one. 
So it, it might be worth keeping an eye on to pick up or just pay attention to us and we'll tell you if it's worth picking up. Uh, okay, last one. As, you know, okay. Take two. Yep. Uh, Batman number 12. This was a one-shot. The previous arc has ended. The new arc is going to be starting in 13, which is actually two months from now. Because next I actually I screwed up when I was talking to the guys at the comic shop. Yeah. Because I was all excited for 13. I'm like, yeah, next month. And they go, no, no, two months. They get the zero issues coming out. DC's exactly. doing an entire run. Every, every book's getting a zero issue. Which are all going to be origin stories, essentially. Right. Or it, not, not origin per se, but yep. here's some stuff that happened Bat- before the first issue began. Batman will be a year one as right. opposed to an origin. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what it was like that first year when they were out there fighting. Yeah. Uh, so, now, the interesting thing is this book introduces a new individual to the Bat universe. Yes. Uh, I forget her name, so I'm not going <laughs> to bother. Uh, oh. She's an electrical engineer that works on the power grid for Gotham, which it's an old-ass power grid. Gotham's an old-ass city. And uh, she and her brother live in a knockdown neighborhood. They live in the slums. Yeah, it's it's in the ghetto. Um, they have to fight and struggle daily. Uh, we don't know. I don't think they mentioned what happened to their parents. Could have been uh, auto accident or something. Yeah. Well, but no, we, no, know, they, we know they're on they their own. They away from their dad. They, they, oh, that's right. Their, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. The, first of all, the character's name is Harper Rowe. Okay. Yeah. And she and her brother, her, they're, after, I believe they said their mom died, but the mm. dad would beat them. So they yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She basically grabbed her brother. She's been defending her brother. She's mm, they're emancipated. That's what it is. And yeah, they they got themselves emancipated from their father right. who was beating them, and so now they're living in the slums of Gotham. Right. She's and, working at this job as electrical engineer, which pays well enough to keep a roof over their head, but not phenomenally. But they're also high school students at the same time, so yeah. obviously there's yeah. So she's not probably not working a full schedule either. Right. Yeah, I'm um, not even legally allowed to. It, I, it should be mentioned, her brother is in fact gay, and because of that, he is the victim of many hate abuses. crimes, abuses, and other things like that. Uh, she's very defensive of her brother, and anytime that he's threatened, she is the defender. She'll step up and, you know, threaten to whoop the ass right. anybody that tries. Which is great because it's, it's actually the reversal of what we think of as the brother-sister role. Mm-hmm. Normally it's the brother defending the younger sister. Yeah. And so this is the, the older sister defending the younger brother. Right. Which, and, not completely unheard of, but, no, but it is a little bit of a twist. Certainly different from the stereotypes that, that, that's yeah. out there. So, uh, I'm going to try to fast forward here really quick. Uh, <laughs> she somehow finds out about this secret net that Batman has put up to the power grid. Uh, she does things to it to kind of help and do other things. She, she does some repairs to it. Yeah. She interferes. Batman shows up, says... Naughty, naughty, this is my crap, don't play with my crap, and splits, and she, this well, this occurs after Batman had actually yep. saved her and the, her the brother The reason that from, she starts looking into the Batman power grid is because Batman saves her and her brother from having the crap kicked out of them. Potentially by, more than that. Yeah, by a group of thugs that didn't like them because her brother is gay. Right. And so she stands up for her brother, and they're going, oh, it wasn't just two of us that are here on the street corner. Now it's like ten. Yeah, there's a whole gang of us. Yeah. Batman shows up, lays down a whooping, scares everybody off. They both become rather enamored with yeah. Batman. And she realizes that wherever Batman is, the security cameras kick off. That wherever mm-hmm. he goes, he can black out the city so that they can't see him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so to she do starts that, to he would need to have direct access to the power grid. And that's how she finds the power right. grid. She starts working on it, and she sees, oh no, there's an area that's actually blacked out. 
Mm-hmm. And so she takes it on herself to go there and repair said area, thinking that she's helping Batman by fixing something that broke down in his system. Right. Turns out that wasn't the case he at all. He was doing it on purpose. And actually, what the interesting thing is this is actually, we were talking about the Zero issues being, mm-hmm. you know, before the, the, initial, the initial launch number ones. Right. This one also takes place there because at the same time of issue number one, as they actually depict the fight between him and, uh, was it Tiger? Tiger uh, Shark? yeah, 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 yeah. Tiger Shark. And, which that was in one of the first couple of issues, actually. Yeah, he's actually indicate. chasing down leads on, uh, the doll man, or the doll maker, I think. Yeah. So, anyways, to, like I said, I'm continuing to try to fast forward here. Uh, we have a very high likelihood that she will return as a future character. This issue is pretty much just a one shot. It's a very good one shot. It's a great single story. Um, if you great character if, development, yeah. If you haven't been following Batman, this wouldn't be a bad one to pick up just to read through and to get a feeling of what Schneider's writing style is like, and just to have a, a flat out good story that's in a single issue. Um, yeah, and actually, I'm uh, still Batman number three is the issue that they okay. actually reference. Um, I am still highly, highly psyched for number thirteen. We mentioned it before it's going to be the return of the Joker, so I'm all a, a, a jitter about that. Um, I like this Harper Row character, and I'm, I hope she does come back. I, I as as do I. Here. As do I. I think okay. she'll be a, a really cool yes. addition to the Bat universe. So if you're th- if you've been thinking about Batman, this is actually probably the one I would recommend jumping on, not just because it's a one shot, but because I think she's going to come back. She's going to be a big mm-hmm. factor in Schneider's run moving forward. Yeah, she may not appear immediately with when the Joker returns, but I think we'll see her again, mm-hmm. and she'll she'll be popping up now and then. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be great to kind of get on that first train um, well, as she appears in the future Batman titles. While the wheels are hot, so to speak. Yep. Um, okay. Quick uh, quick run down some stuff. Uh, I've actually, when I was at the comic shop last week, I asked the guys, what are some more Marvel titles that I can get in on? Because I know there's a, a great Marvel deficiency in my uh, in Reading. my pull list. Um, they recommended a bunch. I said, no, I think those all suck, and I picked up Daredevil instead. Um, I picked up Daredevil 14, 15, and 16, which I have read. I'm not going to review them right now. I'm going to wait until the next one comes out, and I'll start talking about that one if it's something that's really worth it. The ones that I've read so far have been very good. I really like yeah. the story and where it's going. Is that uh, Millar writing those? Uh, no. no. Uh, I forget who the writer is. I know it's not Millar, though. Okay. Um, but I'll review those I, I know in a later thing. I know some good reviews on some of the other news sites out yeah, there. Yeah, so. it, it really has been good. Uh, okay. If you're looking for a new Marvel title, I will say that's one that's worth jumping on to. Right, we'll um, get a full review later on. Yeah. Uh, some news stories in comics for this week. Uh, Thomas Jane was in a Nerdist podcast this past week, and in it, he mentioned that he is a author of comics, something I didn't know previously. I should mention Thomas Jane is the guy that played Punisher in the Punisher movie from back in 2000-something or other. With, with Travolta as the bad guy. Right. And he also actually was in a fan film that was what they envisioned the Punisher should have well, been what like. He, well, he envisioned... Actually, I shouldn't put it that it's way. Not even he, the, technically, it's not even the Punisher. It's called Dirty Laundry. Oh, no, and it is. It, well, it is Punisher. The character is the Punisher, oh, but it's, it's not. It's Frank Castle. But it's not, because it's not sanctioned by Marvel, so that he is not. Yeah. He is well, not it's a fan Punisher. film. He's not Frank. Yeah. It's so, a fan. No, he can, he can make it as Punisher as a fan film. That's. They're, it's they're, they're doing what they're doing. They, 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 there is, uh, it is tagged as a Punisher fan film, but they are trying to keep that away from it. Right. Just for legal reasons. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> that's Thomas Jane is. I'm sure you remember him now. Uh, he is, or actually mentioned on the Nerdist podcast, uh, aside from Bad Planet, which is his current comic, he is writing a new comic along with Mike Carey, who's the writer from The Unwritten, which we both love, a story called Lichens, which he described as 
similar to Aliens in the sense of that survival horror kind of feel, but it's set in the 1700s in this castle, and instead of aliens, it's werewolves. That whole premise just gives me tinglys in my naughty bits. I want this to be out so bad so that I can go and just devour the shit out of this. <laughs> um, werewolf. Yeah, if you want to hear the more of it, uh, go and listen to the Thomas Jane interview on the Nerdist at Nerdist.com. Uh, another piece of news, the... Defenders, the Marvel comic, will be ending in November with issue number 12. Ah. I'm a little bit bummed about that because, yeah, I know, you, you weren't reading it. I, dropped I was it. reading it. It it really was not a great title. I'll, I will not say that any other way. But I'm still a little bummed. It had a little bit of traction. It was still kind of neat. It was just one more place that Iron Fist was showing up to because it <laughs> seems like the Marvel Universe is really pushing him recently. Uh, yeah. He's been showing up in books all over the place. <laughs> um. Affleck, uh, this week, there was a big rumor going around that he might be directing the next Justice League movie. And then that rumor has actually been quashed. Yeah. It is not true. He's actually already passed on it, although he did ask to review the script, so maybe he's trying to, you know, give them some input on it, how to make it better. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's, you know, going to give them suggestions on who he thinks should be directing it. Yeah. We don't know anything more than that, but by and large, the rumor that was put out has been squashed, and that's kind of the end of that. Uh... Dugan, Posehn, and more getting crazy with Deadpool. Uh, the comedian Brian Posehn is who this is referring to, along with the artist Terry Moore. Uh, I forget who Dugan is. I want to say it's like James Dugan, something like that. They will be writing uh, Deadpool in issue number. Uh, <laughs> okay, so there, there's there been a lot of there's been the creative team, but probably yeah. it's part of the Marvel Now initiative. Yes, there's been some big, big excitement on this. A lot of people like these uh, creators. So uh, there's been a, a big attention on it. Comedy, yeah, he, he's very distinctive looking. Yeah, very so, dry, very drab, but very uh, that modern cynicism t- style of comedy. So, yeah, if, if you're a fan of his comedy, I suspect you'll probably like this, particularly if you already are a Deadpool fan. Yeah, it, he seems like he would be a good fit for that title. Yeah. Um, Alan Moore. It will be at the NICE, which is a comics expo in the UK, in September. This is going to be his first appearance at a con in 25 years. The recluse has finally come out of his cave. He's going to be hopefully shaking the... uh, Is he going to shave his head and his beard and have a little spider tattoo on it? I don't know. I hope so, because that would be friggin' (laughs) awesome. You know what? That's what he's coming back to announce is going to be a whole new Transmet title. That's that's which, my prediction. You heard it here is, first, folks. Which will be really interesting since it's not his book. Yeah, but, I know. I still think you should do it anyways, though. <laughs> Alan Moore's transmit that that would be rather trippy. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. No, that's exactly what it would be. Yeah. Let's not. Nah. All right. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna skip on this last one. Okay. So other moving on, moving on outside of comics. Now that we are at the <laughs> 50 minute mark, and comics are supposed to be 30, but that's okay. We're, I'm just going to just run through this stuff because we have a lot of things we want to talk oh, about this yeah. week. Um, first up in games. Uh, okay, we'll discuss a little. Mm-hmm. Video games. Uh, I've been playing a whole lot of Marvel Ultimate Alliance, much to my shame. And uh, That's a Facebook game, isn't it's it? It's a Facebook game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so if you like those games on Facebook where you have to get your friends to Which join you. I don't. I really don't. But for some reason, this one's... It's because it's Marvel. Yeah, no, that's totally it, what it is. It's, it's completely what it is. Why well, then Marvel. I've been doing more and more Marvel know, Avengers oh, stuff recently. I, I got an invite from you to join that. 
Because you're not on Facebook, Oh, Brody. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's how I avoid getting addicted to those games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Guild Wars 2. What's Guild Wars 2. Uh, a buddy of ours, uh, Mike Green, has been kind of hounding me about this one recently. Uh, not for bad reason. The teaser trailer and the info that have been coming out for Guild Wars 2 has actually been quite impressive. The The graphics look good. The gameplay looks interesting. Some of the things that they're doing for questing is very unique. What type of game is... is... It's, it's, a, it's an oh, MMO. Okay. It's, it's an MMORPG, which... One of the big selling points on this, which was also a selling point on the original Guild Wars game, is that it's a no subscription. Okay, MMO, so it's or no similar, subscription fee, similar to like a World of Warcraft, but right. it's in-app purchase as opposed to yeah, it's it's a one-time purchase of the title, and that's it. You don't have the recurring monthly fee. Okay, so you do that, have to pay for the initial purchase. Yes, it's okay. it's not completely free to it's play. Like it's it's a you one-time purchase, purchase. Yeah, one-time purchase, and that's it. It does have in-app game in-app purchases. Like you can buy different mm. uniforms, different weapons, or no? I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Okay. I, I think so, but I'm not going to commit to saying that's actually the case. Um, okay. The PSX2, a PS2 emulator that is uh, free for download, has just hit its 1.0 release. That's a uh, kind of big news for people who still have PS2 titles, like this guy with the two thumbs, who really, thumbs. yeah, but you don't have a PS2. Uh, yeah. That's why I said this guy with the two thumbs. Not that guy with the two fingers. Uh-huh. Uh, or these two fingers. So. That was nice. Yeah, but they can't see it, so what do they care? Um, I have a lot of games. I would love to get all my PS2 stuff onto my PC and start to play through them again. Uh, I was actually just talking a bunch of PS2 games with our buddy Lamoise the other day. Because we were like, we were reminiscing on old RPG titles and how newer RPGs just don't give us that same fulfillment that we would get from these old RPGs through story, through engine through anything else. Really? The, the, the stories, they put that much more into the story? Is it that they're, they're relying more on the graphics? Is Some it, of them really are. And or, are they relying more on multiplayer, which I know has gotten huge recently? That is a very, very big piece of it. It's, But aside from all of that, though, it's actually the play style. The old RPGs were, there was the old turn-based. So you're saying they're better is, than Skyrim? They are... Um, and I know you're doing that just to troll me, you jackass. Yep! But, um... They're very different. Skyrim is enjoyable in its form, but whereas Skyrim is a more true game to the nature of what an RPG should be in the sense that you are role-playing out a character, it's R-O-L-E instead of R-O-L-L, more of the modern, like the JRPGs and the modern RPG video games have become more of the R-O-L-L style of role-playing games, where it's all about the stats and about the items and about the questing, and the engines have adapted and changed to fit that style of play. Whereas the older games had that all too, but it was certainly a lot more about creating the character that you wanted to create and playing them in the style you wanted to play it, the R-O-L-E style of role. Um, Moving on, I, I could do a whole different podcast on that. And I might yet. So, uh, moving on to tabletop games, uh, I want to talk quickly about Zombie Dice. Ooh, fun. Which you know is fun because, uh, I actually got you to play that a little bit last week. And what was great is we were able to play with your five-year-old. Yeah. And she could understand. Which she, she showed, enough. she totally shouldn't be playing that game. I, I'm going to say that right now. She I, shouldn't I, be playing with zombies? Probably not. Okay. I, I got her a different game called, uh, LCR, which we can talk about that one. Uh, we'll discuss on that week one later. But, uh, I'm actually adding I mean, that to the list right now. Zombie dice is interesting because you've got a tumbler full of different dice: the mm-hmm. green, green dice, red dice, and yellow dice. All six sided, depending on the uh, color 
is the number of shotgun blasts, feet, or brains that are on them. Yep. But you're playing as a zombie, so you're ideally going to get brains. Brains, that's what you want. You don't want to get... Or runners that are running away from you, and shotgun blasts to the face are what you don't want. Exactly. If you take three shotgun blasts to the face, your round is over, and any brains that you have acquired during that round are lost. The whole point is you're trying to get up to or more than ten brains. Once that happens, there's one more round around the table, depending upon however many people are playing, and if anybody can beat the score that you have at the end of that round, win... Otherwise, you win. So, uh, you, you roll three die per you turn. You take three out of the tumbler and yeah, roll them. Yeah, roll those three. You then keep the shotgun blasts, keep the brains, and any of the runners. You re-roll by adding however many I, you, dice you, you need you to add, add to it to, re- to, to come up to three again. And then roll again, if you choose to roll again. Each turn, you can decide to stop and take however many brains you've acquired during your turns and that gets added to your score, the tumbler passes to the next person at the table. It's a very, very quick game. It's fast-paced. Um, you can have six people playing and probably finish a game within 20 minutes or so. It's a good, almost kind of casual game to play in between things, or if you're waiting for more people to show up to play a bigger game like Pandemic or Axis and Allies or something. It's the type of thing you can pull out and play at the dinner table while you're waiting for them to deliver your dinner at the restaurant. Yes, absolutely. There's a bunch of other games that fit that bill as well, and we're going to talk about those in coming weeks. So if you want to know more about these quasi-casual tabletop games, uh, stay tuned because we're going to talk about more of them uh, in the weeks to come. Yay. Uh, for role-playing games, R-O-L-E, important to note, uh, there's an article that came out this week, which is the five reasons to play D&D. Uh, this article uh, was propagated by Boing Boing, but actually was originally hosted by... And Give me one second here, I can tell you. Um, oh, nuts. Uh, it was uh, by Grim Wilson, who is followed by a lot of other people who like to roleplay. Uh, Will Wheaton actually being one of them. Uh, he puts out his five reasons. Uh, quick run-through is imagination, structure... Social, performance. Uh, performance, and problem solving. Yeah, you, you get to, when you're playing these games, you get to pretend you're somebody else. You get to perform as that as that person. You get to put yourself in a world that doesn't exist and create it for yourself. You you have to do it with friends. You can't play Dungeons and Dragons by yourself. Right. I can pick up zombie dice and just start rolling and pretend I'm playing against somebody. Yeah. I can't do that with Dungeons and Dragons. Somebody's got to give me a story which has a problem to solve. And then I've got to figure it out, or I've got to present somebody else with that problem, and they have to solve it. Right. D&D, at its core, is cooperative storytelling, and you can't do cooperative with one person. Yeah. Unless you have multiple personalities, in which case, well, hey, it works for you. In which case, I could do that, and I could do that, and I could do that. Right. (laughs) Moving on from games, uh, on the internet this week, uh, really the biggest news coming out of the internet is uh, Google Street View has now included the Kennedy Space Center... In its Street View results. Which is just in time for the Mars rover to land. Right. So now you can tour the Kennedy Space Center and uh, see exactly what goes on. Yeah, they, they showed a view from on top of the uh, gangplank that was where the astronauts would walk out to get into the shuttle. Uh-huh. Um, was one of the promotional views from it. So It's kind of cool. If it's you're a space nut. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a very, very cool thing to go check so out. Between this Kennedy Space Center and the Mars rover... Oh, yeah. 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 I th- we should mention the, the fact that we put a robot on Mars this yeah. past week. <laughs> Not only that, but somebody actually compared it to what the Olympics, which are going on, and, <laughs> and, and the people that are shooting in the riflery contest. And if you were to be doing this, it would be hitting one of the bullet holes that the that they shot, that they hit, mm-hmm. 
um, with a like a BB. It was like taking a BB and hitting inside of one of one the of their holes. holes left by one of the shots that the sharp marksmen were making. Yeah, from like a hundred yards further down. It, well, it was, it's absolutely ridiculous the accuracy. Oh yeah, they, they couldn't test the rover. They had no way of testing it. Oh yeah, well because it's a fourteen minute delay, which is another thing that was compared to the Olympics in that NBC. <laughs> Had was it fifteen thousand miles, and it was a two-hour delay, six-hour delay, something like that. Well, no, it was because well, NBC was delaying everything so they could put it on prime time. Right. So whatever it was, a six-hour delay for fifteen thousand miles, whereas NASA was showing images from the Mars rover, which was a hundred and fifty million miles away in fourteen minutes. Yeah. So NBC, fuck you. (laughs) Anyways. not quite a, an accurate comparison of, of that, but well, uh, something that's be even fair, better to uh, yeah. Let, let, let's just face it: uh, Fox News was busy discussing the Kardashians while CNN was actually covering the Mars flamingos. Rover. So I'm sorry, that's that was a, a Craig Ferguson reference. No, 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 the flamingo thing. Anyways, uh, <laughs> another quick thing to mention about the Mars rover that's kind of interesting is uh, Voyager, or no, sorry, not Voyager, uh, Odyssey, which landed on Mars back in 2000 something or other. Uh, sent pictures of Mars, and these pictures were on the front page of every newspaper at the time. These great, big, you know, grainy, pixelated images. We now send Curiosity to Marge. Marge. Mars. Mars. Sorry, I was trying to clear my nose at the same time. Um, Which are sending out these phenomenal, megapixel, beautiful images that we're all looking at on our three-inch smartphones. Yep. What the fuck is wrong with us? (laughs) Because We gotta be stupid. No, the newspapers don't care anymore because it doesn't, it's not yeah. entertainment, it's not the Kardashians, it's not, you know, who's dancing with the stars, so they're not covering it. Yeah. They're, not, you know, STEM doesn't get the coverage <sighs> that it needs. So sad. That- we do all this and they're going to turn around and cut the funding. Yeah. By the way, uh, the smartphone comment is my nod to, uh, John Kovalik and Dork Tower, which is where that joke came from originally. Oh, yeah. I gotta give, uh, credit where credit's due. Okay. But anyways, uh, bitching about NBC, let's go on to TV and talk about some things happening there. The Science Channel is showing Brown Coats Unite, the 10-year anniversary special for Firefly. Uh, this is going to be footage from the Firefly Comic Con, a uh, San Diego Comic Con panel, which right. was back uh, last month. Yeah. And they're also going to have inter- interviews with the characters about the show, what mm-hmm. it was like working on it. And, yeah, of course, I'm sure Joss Whedon will be one of those interviews, creating the show, writing oh, yeah. the show. Uh, so it's it's interesting to see that this show, which had one season, has had such a strong following. Yeah, they, they uh, are uh, fan, fanatic. I mean, no yeah. other way to put it. Uh, it, was, it. You can actually see the entire San Diego Comic Con panel online. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple, and it has videos. like a good million views, I think. Yeah, so you can actually watch the entire view. You can see how full that room is. It wasn't a small room, and it was packed. Oh yeah, no, it was one of the main. So, it's amazing to see the show that 10 years later has still had as big an impact on society and culture that it's getting a 10-year anniversary show after one season. The the, the other interesting uh, part of this is now blanked in my head. Well, then let me go on and say that it's, it's a testament for Joss Whedon of how good he is because another one of his shows, Dr. Horrible, which was internet only. It was released a yeah. couple of years ago actually, during the writer strike. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, Brown Coats actually does have fan films that are still being made on the internet. Oh, okay. Um, so you could, if you really want more Firefly, there are Brown Coats videos out there. Oh yeah. Uh, Brown Coats being the uh, Civil War faction from Firefly mm-hmm. that the also, captain was a member of. Yeah, Brown Coats are how uh, Firefly fans refer to them refer to themselves as Brown Coats. Yeah. Uh, but going back to Doctor Horrible. Uh, the CW has said that they will be airing the Dr. Horrible series 
on October 19th on their channel. So if you've this, ever wanted to watch it with commercials, now is your chance. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead of commercial free on the internet, it's available on Netflix right now. Yep. So if it's you, still available for free on the internet too. So you know, just go out to yeah. doctorhorrible.com, I think. And, and Hulu, I believe also has it. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of places to catch it. It's, it, but it, what it actually is great is that something that started on the internet as a one-off project during the writer's strike. Yeah, just something is, he wanted to do for the fun of doing it. Is now going to be aired on national television. It's gotten that big. The, the other bonus is the fact that they're actually working on a sequel to Dr. Horrible. Yeah. So. Uh, they're shooting it now, aren't they? Uh, if they haven't started shooting it, they'll be starting soon. I thought I remember seeing something come through Twitter that he had mentioned. I think it was actually NPH, uh, mentioned something about shooting on Dr. Horrible 2. Yeah, so. They're but going to be starting soon if they haven't already. And... I say, if nothing else, big ups to CW for picking it up and actually running it. I mean, it's the only primetime channel that's done something like well, that. They're, they're looking for some shows that they've had some problems with programming, and they're looking where they can. And hopefully this other story for the CW is, is also true, and that's going to bring back another uh, a show that's also a favorite of ours as a new forum, and that's going to be The Muppet Show. Well, we don't know if that's necessarily the case. Okay. From what the uh, president of CW has said... Uh, and you know, I'm actually going to pull this up so I can quote it if possible. Okay. Is well, the, the uh, no, recently I had can't. some success. Oh, with here it is the, with the movie. They, they had the movie that came out with yep. uh, Amy Adams and uh, and Siegel Sussman. Uh, Jason Siegel. Siegel. Okay, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it was interesting to see. It, they, they actually played it off really well. They basically said, "You're the Muppets. You're irrelevant." And then they had the Muppets become relevant again right. in the movie. This is the, the movie themselves, the movie itself actually in turn making them relevant again. Yeah. Um, it was Mark Pedowitz, who is the president of CW said, and this is the quote, I can promise another Muppet special this holiday season. That is all he said. He hasn't said a new show. He hasn't said it'll even be a new holiday special, just that it will be another special this holiday season. They it, could turn around and actually re-air, uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol or something like that. It's the Great Pumpkin, Kermit the Frog. Whatever. <laughs> but anyways, that's the that's what's out there now, um, and it's really nothing more than rumor at this point. This is just based off of a comment that he made during an interview to TV Guide, so we can only take this so far. Um, I'm going to not say anything about that, because I'm yes. going to save that for later. Okay. Um, I do want to mention that uh, the Nerdist... YouTube channel had a new show come out this past week called Mission Log. This is in conjunction with Roddenberry Entertainment. Right. Which it's, Roddenberry is the creator of Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry is the creator, creator of Star, Star Trek. Trek. This is with his son Rod. Uh, Eugene Rod, or yeah, Rod, Eugene Rod Roddenberry, Rod. who commonly called Rod. Uh, they will be reviewing every single episode of Star Trek, every incarnation. Starting with TOS all the way through. The original series. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be hitting and reviewing every single one. So I, I think this is a really cool idea. I believe they're going to be doing it weekly. It's something like going to be a total of 30 seasons of Mission Log to accommodate the 30, 30 total seasons, seasons of 30 everything. 30 seasons of Star Trek. Yeah. Between, yeah, Star Trek. Star Trek The Next Generation, Battle, uh, Deep Space Nine, DS9, Enterprise, Voyager, Voyager. uh, uh, ooh, this is the one I'm missing. I'm missing. I'm missing. Shite. No, I, I, no, I think that is all. I, of them. I, think, I think we hit all the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, unless they're doing the animated series. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to ask. I don't, yeah. Well, well, Chris, are you doing the animated series for Mission Log? Well, we'll send him a or, or, or like everybody else, are you ignoring that? Yeah, we'll just send like, him a and find out. Just um, like the Christmas special. Oh God, from Star Wars. 
Uh, a quick note, uh, Geek and Sundry, another YouTube channel that we like to follow, that's Felicia Day's channel, has made an exclusive deal with Target for their tabletop show in that Target will actually be putting stickers on the games at their stores that say, as seen on Geek and Sundry's show, Tabletop. That just shows the power of this story, the Dr. Horrible story, show the power of the internet and how it's influencing the main, you know, archways of society. How, oh, yeah. how it's breaking in that these shows which start on the internet, which is considered a third tier, a fourth tier mm-hmm. entertainment medium, is actually making ways to become a top tier entertainment Oh yeah, platform. it's pushing its way forward in, in unbelievable strides. And it's not just as being able to use something like Hulu to watch the episode of House that you missed last week, but in a way that you can actually you well, know, it's create original, original content. content. Yeah. That, it, it, it is the democ- de- democracy of it because Felicia Day started with her you know, her own TV show, the or, Guild, or her, her own uh, sorry own web series, The Guild, mm-hmm. which is the reason why she was given a the, the opportunity to build a network on YouTube, right? Which gave her the opportunity to give Will Wheaton his show Tabletop, which is why Target is now putting those stickers. On well, because their they're games. realizing that people are watching Tabletop and then going to the stores wanting to play the games that have been featured in. The show. Now, the, the interesting thing is, I've been to Target, I've looked at their games, and there's their Monopoly, your Connect 4. Yeah, the standard. Clue. Milton Bradley There's stuff. not a whole lot of games that I'm seeing on tabletop, so does this mean that they're also going to be expanding their inventory? That's what it looks like to me. Because there have been some I've seen, like Ticket to Ride was put on there, uh, Say Anything was the one from this week with... I think uh, I have seen Settlers of Catan at Target before, yeah. prior to tabletop era. Almost so. everything from tabletop that I've seen, I have seen at Barnes & Noble, surprisingly enough. Um, Which Barnes & Noble is fighting to stay relevant from just having books because they see books disappearing into the e-readers, and of yeah. course they have their own, but they're looking for other things to carry. They have re- they've really have expanded out their gaming section. Mm-hmm. Their movies and, and, and music section has stayed the same, if not gotten smaller. Oh, yeah, and definitely. books are actually starting to get smaller for them. I went in there into a Barnes & Noble to mm-hmm. check out their graphic novels, and they had a lot less graphic novels really? than they used to. I, and, which is funny because I actually thought that was ex- stuff. I see. I thought they were actually expanding more of that and cutting back on the traditional. They'd actually gone, novels. There, there was more. There was more manga, but mm. over. The, but manga has been very okay. popular, particularly with uh, the high school age students that are yeah. going into college now. Well, they have grown up on it. I'm seeing yeah. it on late night, uh, like Adult Swim stuff on Cartoon Network, or yeah. even seeing it. Some of it come in yeah, on. So it's, it's big for the tweens, the teens, and yeah. even the college kids that are doing the manga. But there was. So there, well, Barnes and Noble is experimenting, trying to find other things that people are going to come in. Because if you want to got some friends coming over, you want to play a board game, you're going to go out and you're going to pick it up. You can't wait two days for it to arrive from Amazon. Yeah. Well, but speaking of books, so there are still good new books that are coming out month after month after month. Uh, one of which I picked up this week is called Libermancer. Libermancer is I a bad necromancer. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's um. Actually, he's a, you know he's what? a free necromancer. Libra. Sort of. Let me yeah. let me think about okay. this for a second. Uh, <laughs> Libermancer actually was something that was recommended by Rothafus, who's a friend of Jim Butcher. And, of course, I read the Dresden Files series, which Butcher writes. Uh, they did a hangout for a new Geek and Sundry show that I should mention called uh, Storyboard, okay. which is, is really kind of cool. Um, it's going to be a uh, writer, uh, novel writer's uh, hangout. Once every month, I think, and, and they'll talk about how they go through their books, yeah, and, and create and plot out their yeah. stories. And this one was mentioned on there. It was also mentioned on the Geek Dad uh, newsfeed right. as being 
something that was worth checking out. I had gotten the description from them and thought, okay, this is something I gotta check out. The gist of it is books, uh, uh, okay. Books are portals magic. to, well, portals to magic. That you have people that don't have the power or the ability to do and be like full on sorcerers, be, you know, full on magic. So instead they use books to cheat. Because books are, uh, published out and are mass produced that are all exact copies of each other. As everybody reads those copies, it creates a common belief. And that common belief is so powerful that that act as, acts as a crutch to the people who have the little bit of magical ability. They can then use that belief to break the barrier between reality and magic and can actually pull things from books. As in, they can pull like a spy gadget from a James Bond book. They can pull a ray gun out of a Heinlein book. They can pull Excalibur out of Mort d'Arthur and use these things in the real world. There are limitations and there are, you know, reasons that they can't overdo it or do a lot of it. But you were mentioning that some books have been locked because of Mm -hmm. potential danger, such as Jurassic Park. They don't want dinosaurs running wild. Yeah. Or uh, there's another one called Earth, who I forget who the author is, that somebody could pull in and pull out a pocket-sized black hole, which could consume the entire Earth. Or the entire universe. Or the entire, well, yeah. So we really don't want people just randomly creating black holes and pulling those out. So exactly. Lock those, lock those books down, please. Um, I actually read this in like two days because it was one a really good book, and I just devour books as it is, anyways. Yeah, you read fast. It's not a, it's not a difficult read. It's urban fantasy, so it falls into the same vein of things like the Dresden Files or the Iron Druid Chronicles, which I think I mentioned last. Pardon me, last week. Nope. Oh, I thought I did. Anyways, uh, Iron Druid Chronicles are another one that's, if you enjoy we'll, Urban we'll Fantasy. We'll discuss that at another point. Yeah, I'll put that one in there as well. Um, but it, a very, very good read. It just came out this past week. So if you're looking for a book to read, it's definitely worth picking up. It's a lot of fun. Uh, very interesting. Like I said, not deep. Don't expect, you know, a big philosophical ooh-ah revelation out of this. It's a great, like, weekend read. If you got a lazy Sunday, go pick it up. Uh... Okay. Last couple things to mention on, uh, I'm going to be snagging your not quite recent, uh, Wired magazine, the June issue. Yeah. Because it has a whole great big thing on how to be a geek dad. Yep. Which Actually, I in fact good, am, so. Yep. Very, very good articles in there. Some, yeah, how to's, mm-hmm. things, things to do with your children to get them interested in STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, uh, engineering and math. Right, right. Yeah. How to get them involved with that type of, those type of things. Yeah. Just hands on. You know, build stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, it actually it's got some guest pieces in there from Adam Savage of Mythbusters. Mm-hmm. So if if you like that type of thing that he seems to be presenting with, yeah, you know, he actually shows how to build the hovercraft that they did using a leaf blower in awesome. Mythbusters. Sweet. Um, he also has a trebuchet that he shows you how to build, which I'm totally going to put in my office. <laughs> I'm going to build one. I'm going to take it to work, and that is going to be my new reason to get in trouble. Yeah. And um, it, this actually has a big big thing for me because my daughter is going to be starting. Uh, kindergarten this year, which I know kindergarten doesn't really have a science aspect to it. I mean, they'll touch they on some things planets, that are science all eight of them. Yeah, Sorry, but no, they, they've done that in uh, in preschool actually, as it is, and and oh, they do some biology to, stuff and whatnot. But, but a lot of kids don't go to pre- go to preschool, so yeah, I'm not sure necessarily it's be touched on in kindergarten. Yeah, and she'll get to learn about all eight planets. Sorry, Pluto. Uh, so uh, this will be a good opportunity for me to introduce her to some more of that STEM type stuff, which they don't really get early on in, in schooling. They don't get into later. So, stuff for me to play with. It's important to get her introduced with stuff like STEM and comic books early in life. So she yeah, which which I have. She out. she had three comic books this past week, One of, uh, two of which I still need to steal and read because I haven't had a chance to read them yet. 
She needs to hurry up and Need get... to, she needs to read her comic books so you can read them. Yeah, I know. Share the wealth, man. Okay. So, uh, last couple things. Uh, Art of Manliness started a new series this past week called Heading Out on Your Own. It, it wasn't this past week. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's been daily. You're right. Yeah. Sorry, it was this daily. past week. It's... Uh, the series is called Heading Out on Your Own and it's 31 steps for, uh, young men who are leaving the nest that are heading out on their own for the first time. And it's a whole bunch of not necessarily tips and tricks, but Things to be cognizant of and essentially pay attention to. Yeah, as you're and actually, it's life skills. Uh, the one from Friday was actually a really important one. Which one was that? That was how to manage your digital identity. Oh and yeah, 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 yeah. What happens when you Google or Bing your name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to control what's going to show up, what information you put out there, how to and m- also, monitor, how to you know retract things on Facebook, yeah. and what to look for. And most importantly, results. how to be cognizant before you post something. Right. Which is a big, big push that's been happening, not yeah. just here, but in schools, in high schools, there's been a big sort of like uh, a PSA campaign against kids just going and posting everything out online all the time. I think eventually this is going to be a step that is moot because it's going to become so prevalent that people aren't are going to kind of look at it and go, this happened roughly before this age. So we're not going to care as much about it. I, I, I well, think, but the problem exists for people that are but, older as well. So it's it just as relative. For, but it, it's a what's going to happen is it's going to be a problem for our generation and the next generation, mm-hmm. possibly even a third generation. By that point, it will become so prevalent that it'll just people be, will just know not oh, to do it. You well, no, it's, it's not only, that people are not going to do it. It's that people have going to be, have been doing it for so long, and people are going to go, oh yeah, I remember I did stuff like that. I'm not going to hold it against him because he did that when he was in high school or because he was in college. It's eventually society will shift so that that information becomes more. But until it does, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I think you got to watch. Yeah. Well, I because well, I think what's going to happen instead is because you know, there were times when people were going, you know, you know, why would I have have something on? Why would I use my phone for something other than a phone? And now we have entire computers built into our phones. Yeah. Well, and, but. See, I think it's going to take a different tack. I think it's going to be fast, but it's, it, it will, I, I, you know, society is going to accept that. It's the same thing, you know, people used to say blacks are slaves. Now they're, you know, we don't have black slavery. They're, they're free individuals. They've been emancipated. They vote. We actually have one as our president. The, the, The vision that people have of what the social norms is going to change. So. And that, that I'll agree with. And the reason and so I the say that. The social norm yep. of somebody posting that picture of being drunk on Facebook is going to change that. Okay. We're going to let this slide a bit more. There may be things that they don't let, that mm-hmm. they never let slide, but you're going to have to be less cognizant. Not saying that you don't have to be, but the, the norms will say you can be less cognizant of what you're actually posting on the sharing sites. See, and I'm going to take the completely different track on that. I think what's going to happen instead is that not that the stupidity is going to go away. Because, no, it never will. But I think there will be such an inundation of that PSA type of ideology that... Don't do bad kids, don't do drugs. Kind of. That you're going to have kids kids that are growing up that have been dealing with that environment and they're going to see older brothers or parents or other things that occur where they see the the real negative impact that will happen by doing stupid crap online that... That second the, the, the thought education will, will be a step towards it. It's, it's the same reason why well, drug that, education is so important because it does, in fact, keep yeah. kids from doing drugs. Or sex education is important because it keeps kids from getting 
pregnant, even if they're still having sex, they're not getting pregnant, they're not transmitting disease. Right. So the education absolutely is important. But I think the real life education is going to trump the attempted education. The, right. the, the real life experience, because they're the going to grow up in that environment, the social norms, the social norms will, will make them think twice before they post Part initially. Of the, some of that will be there. Some of it will just be, this is the type of stuff that people post, and we're going to let people actually have life outside of work and not hold that against them. I think I can see maybe a balance of it'll be a balance of the two. Or well, if you think of it this way, is that if that education and that knowledge of, you know, this, you know, kids are going to be kids and they're going to post up stupid crap, that will be forgiven. But those that are older, those that should know better and do it, are going to be more harshly judged because of it. And that's what I'm saying is going to happen with the social norms. And that's also a good reason why this article should exist, because if the generation of ours coming out that aren't quite as cognizant of it are going to be reaching these older ages where they should know better, but for whatever reason don't, because it was never taught, because their parents never would have thought about these kinds of things, that they need to know this moving out of the home and going into adulthood. How to manage your digital identity. How to be an adult. There's one... Part of this that actually was not mentioned in managing your digital identity. What's that? And probably because the article may have even been submitted before this happened. But uh, recently, uh, a guy Matt, he's at Matt on Twitter, is he's a writer for Wired, had his digital life completely destroyed. Hmm. They uh, went found out what his home address was and, and his mailing address was by using a who is mm-hmm. on his personal website to find out who it was registered to and what his address was. Right. Called up Amazon, said they wanted to register a new credit card. Used the address as the mailing address as proof of who they were. Mm-hmm. Got the last four of the other credit card that was already assigned to the account. Mm. Used the last four and the address to then contact Apple to get into his i his uh what what, what it's his not mobile I, me anymore. There, yeah. Uh, well, the, his uh, iCloud, iTunes account, his iCloud whatever. account, right? Which the iCloud account had uh, the find my find my iPhone and find my Mac mm-hmm. activated on it. Wiped his iPhone. Wiped his Mac. Uh, wiped his laptop, which he had pictures of his daughter as a one-year-old. He had not backed up on his laptop, completely Mm. lost them. Apparently, Apple's working with him to get it from a data restoration company to completely restore it. But they wiped that, used that, um, then went to his Gmail account, used that. God. Sent his, deleted the, well, had them reset the Gmail account, which sent the, which sent the password to his iCloud account, which they got, used that to reset the Gmail account, delete the Gmail account, and also used the, and the Gmail account was the reset location for his Twitter account, which is what they were after. All oh, of that Jesus. so they could get at MAT, a three-letter Twitter, Twitter name, because he'd been on Twitter that long. They wanted that, the, so by, they had they, that sense of- Snagged re- it, squatted it. Yep. So they wow. snagged that and were sending out, you know, trolling tweets f- from him. Meanwhile, his phone's blank, he, he's got nothing on his Mac, he's got nothing on his, on his desktop Mac. Mm-hmm. His entire digital life destroyed. Wow. Uh, so, you know, take some time. Part of managing your digital identity is knowing, you know, where your password, knowing that your passwords are different for all your sites, mm-hmm. that, you know, knowing what credit cards you're using with different services you know, and addresses that you have. Right. And locking down where these credit, where these, uh, you know, where these passwords are being reset to. Have a special email address set up so that if you need something reset, it only goes to that email address and don't give that out for anything else. Use two-factor authentication. Uh, Facebook offers it. Um, it's really hard to get to, but it's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Google, um, for your accounts, offers two-factor authentication. It does break some of the apps that you might use on your Android phone or some of your other services that you log into with mm-hmm. Google. So that's why it might be advisable to use a two-factor authentication um, on a specific site for your password reset so that 
if somebody wants your password, it's reset, it's sent to a specific account. Right. And that has two-factor authentication, so they can't reset that one. Right. No. Good tips. Yeah. But, uh, getting back to the Art of Manliness article, yes. um, that was just one of the articles. They're going to be actually doing 31 of them across the month. Right. And this is something that I know my dad has said he always wished was a college class when he had growing up, which basically How life. To write a check. How well, to no, do your laundry. Life 101. It's life yeah. skills. So. For any young men out there who are listening and are maybe leaving the nest or are recent yep. college grads or well, going e- off to college. Even for older people, you know, so it's like a good thing to review. Identity yeah. is a good thing because a lot of people, you know, I know for us, we, we were never given something how to manage a digital identity. Our parents certainly weren't because there yeah. was no digital identity. But you and I but have grown up in that age. So we are picking well, it up and we know it. And we're a bit more tech savvy than the yeah, average bear. But, you know, for our parents, that's something that they should also know. So it's not yeah. just – some of the stuff in here is not just for young people. And some of this – Includes tips that I've been doing laundry forever, but here was a tip that I didn't know on how to get a stain outer. Yeah. You know, how to properly do something that I was doing and why I should be doing it in a different yeah. way. Something else that's really quick, uh, that Art of Manliness did a while back, but is related to this is they had a series of articles called 30 Days to a Better Man, which these are articles that are sort of like, uh, they're still life tips, but whereas the heading out on your own are the more specific, um, it's, life these skills. are getting started. These are more, not necessarily, they're philosophical aspects to it too. So it's things like, you know, define what your... Self-help. Yeah, d- d- define what your life goals are, your life values. Um, but it's also things like declutter. Um, you know, get stuff off of your desk that you don't need. How to manage time. Um, just, uh, do uh, help in your community. Go out and do charity. So it's it's a much more kind of higher level... Uh, Guys that are older, I think a college student isn't going to necessarily worry about a lot of these things because they're too busy trying to figure out who they are. And then once they figure that out, then they can go and review these things and kind of and move then, further into adulthood yeah. than, than they are at that point. Both these are excellent things. The 30 Days to a Better Man, I'm actually going to start doing because I just, it's something I want to do. Hey, I like, you know, improving myself. So I'm going to go through I'm these. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, as as I go through, there may be particular ones that I'll come back and uh, we'll hit on on future episodes. But as far as future episodes, we need to finish this one because we are way, <laughs> way over time. Yep. Um, and yeah, no. Uh, so let's. All right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, to get a hold of us, if you have questions, comments, you know, stuff you'd like to see us, hear us talk about. Comments. Yep. We're not going to use comments. That's Chris's thing. Okay. But uh, if you do have questions or comments, which make up comments, uh, you can get a hold of us at about.me slash comic book tesseract. That's got all of our information for getting a hold of us. Email, phone, texting, all available at comic book tesseract at about.me slash comic book tesseract. Our fa- Facebook page, G, G plus accounts, mm-hmm. uh, available at about.me slash comic book tesseract. We do want to thank the, uh, Hero Saving Comic Shop for, uh, their support and, uh, Letting us know what good stuff is out there to read so we can bring it to you. We love you guys. Yeah. Thanks guys. Uh, also, uh, go ahead and check out the, uh, latest comic book news posted at thecomicbooknerd.com. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're gracious in hosting us there as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. For uh, Justin Chulka, I'm Jason Poliath, and we'll see you next week when we step inside the Tesseract.